Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We've got a very special edition of From the Pink Seats podcast tonight. I'm joined by uh, a good friend and actually a neighbor, uh, neighbor Keith, as I've been calling you lately here at the house. Keith Wynn of the Card Chronicle joins us, deputy editor over there, to talk Louisville football, specifically Louisville football recruiting. It's been a while since we've done that, uh, but we blinked and signing day is coming up right around the corner. Keith, man, welcome into the show. How are you? I'm good, man. How about yourself? I'm doing well. You and I both are on that uh, no sleep train lately with the uh, with the babies. How how are things going over in your household? Pretty good, you know. My wife is a uh, you know superwoman, so she's she's holding it down, and you know she's back to work where she's a nanny, so she has a house full of children all day and uh, does a, does great with it, obviously. So you know it's it's good. You know the kids are behaving to a certain degree, so you know that's always a hope. Yeah, I smile over here. People can't see my face, but I smile because <laughs> behaving is not a word that uh, is used very often, at least in the right terms here in my house. Uh, but you got to spend a little bit of time with my son on Saturday. You did or on Friday night, a little babysitting. Tell me what you thought about Liam. Uh, give me the, the future scouting report. You know, he's uh, he's he's got a little weight to him, man. You know, I feel like, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, I, 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 I have large children myself. So I was like, you know, expecting be kind of you know see it coming but he's a little mm-hmm. bit older than than, than than mine so but uh you know he's, he's super behaved he kind of chilled watched a little tv just kind of just kind of hung out you know yeah he's very, a big very big laid back kid that's that was kind of the thing that i uh that was my takeaway all right, you keep believing that because I have yet to see that. <laughs> I've yet to see that over here in my house. He's actually sleeping now. I say that, but uh, all right, man. Well, we got a lot to get into tonight. Uh, obviously, you do not hear the voice of Matthew McGavick or Vincent Lacocom rowing solo tonight. Matt is uh, enjoying a date night with his with his wonderful girlfriend, who's just uh, new to town here or back in town, I should say, and gave Vince the night off as well to go watch some film for later on against Air Force. But uh, Keith, man, there's a lot to get into. Uh, signing day, as I mentioned, is coming up on Wednesday. Louisville currently um, has 11 commitments in the class of 2022, 60th nationally, 11th in the ACC. There's been a lot of uh, Twitter nonsense over the last few months about recruiting, and it's picked up the last couple of days as people remember that signing day is happening. Let's jump right into it, though. Uh, before we get into recruiting, let's talk about the season. We haven't had you on since the season wrapped up. Just give me your general kind of elevator spiel, what you've been telling people when they ask you about Louisville football, what you thought on the season. I think it was a it was a letdown season, you know, disappointing to a certain degree because I think they, you know, came in the season thinking they'd get eight regular season wins. Um, I feel like obviously they had a chance to get there, you know, with, with the Wake Forest loss, the Virginia loss. You're gonna be throwing Clemson and and maybe even NC State to a certain degree. Um, you know, they're in those games, uh, three three single three what single score losses this year. Um, yeah. You know. But I think that they had some they had some blowout wins that was this nice, which we haven't really seen so far. That Alton from Satterfield and his staff since they took over, um, you know, I think that, you know, they had two absolutely awful games with Ole Miss and UK. 
Um, so, you know, I think that there's, you know, that this was an opportunity this season, I think was an opportunity for them to really bounce back to kind of where they were in year one, when it comes to at least from a win loss standpoint. Yeah. And I think that it was kind of frustration, frustrating to see that the offense could put up yardage, but couldn't get points on the board, even though they did it, they, they cured the turnover issues. Um, and it was disappointing from a defensive standpoint where they had, they, they improved in a lot of different areas, but regressed in what really matters, which is keeping yeah. points off the board. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just another year where I feel like they had some, some good things and some bad things. And those bad things really stopped them from winning just a couple games. I mean, this isn't a 10 win team. And I don't think anybody really truly expected that, but I think it definitely could have been an eight win team. I hope that they go out in the bowl game and at least get it to plus 500. Uh, that's something that you can at least build on going into the off season and, 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 they, and they need that. I mean, you know, the, the, the tenor around the, around the program right now isn't great and any positivity is good, you know, and, 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 you know, talking about recruiting, you know, there's some opportunity there to, to bring some positive news, obviously. Yeah. And before we jump into the actual kind of nitty gritty details here, let's talk about Scott Satterfield, because that's obviously a big part of signing day and just the um, narrative, of course, of him being retained as the uh, head coach of the football program. Uh, listening to Josh Hurd today, the interim athletic director, 100% singing the praises of Satterfield. Uh, I thought it was interesting getting a little bit of the inside look on, um, you know, some of the conversations that Satterfield had with the with the athletic department. Um, with Chris Mack, we obviously heard a little bit of that with Dino Gaudio, kind of the, um, you know, I, when I say that, the what it looked like to have to fire a coach and move on and make changes. With, with Satterfield, we didn't get to really hear any kind of explosive audio, but we got to hear some of the emotional side of things in that um, Josh Hurd talked about Satterfield being prepared. What are your thoughts on Satterfield being retained? Is it the right move? I know a lot of fans were clamoring for Jeff Brom. Never made any sense to me. If he didn't play here, nobody would care about that guy. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Satterfield coming back? I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I said this all summer and, um, you know, you know, me and Mike, you know, uh, Rutherford, we talked about this a good amount on this radio show. I think that Satterfield's first year was one of the, probably one of the worst things that could have happened for him. You know, I think that it really yeah. blinded the fact that um, Louisville went two and 10 the year before. Um, one of the worst defenses in the history of college football. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Uh, one of the worst teams overall really if you if you go back and you know you know really look at it and I think that it really kind of it kind of uh your fans kind of gloss over that because they went one eight games in his first year and you know he I, I think instead of kind of giving him credit for pulling those eight wins off it became well this team isn't nearly as bad they just had one bad year and it's just revisionist history you go back yeah. to even Lamar's Heisman season when they had some games that they definitely shouldn't have lost. And it was kind of glaring that the roster wasn't where it's supposed to be. And then the next year, they really, it really became obvious that Lamar was kind of carrying this team on his back uh, a lot more than it seemed. And so, you know, I think that this is a, this is a rebuild. And I think if you're really looking to rebuild your program, you don't fire a coach for going to a bowl game in two out of his first three years, you don't fire a coach in year three, going to bowl game at all. So I think that's where, I, did, I, I never really got the, the calls for firing him, yeah. but I think that's part of where the Brom stuff came in. It gave a different view on it. Like, Oh, well, if we fire him, we can get this guy. And it's like hiring a sub five or sub 500 coach is not something that any school would do um, when your coach that you have is doing better than that. Uh, right. So 
it just didn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> so, it, it but I think ugly. it gave people the avenue to be able to say, mm-hmm. well, this is why we should fire him. Because outside of that, there's not a there's not a soul on earth outside of just not liking the guy. Which right. I get that people don't like the fact that he flirted with South Carolina. Some people just don't like just don't like him. And I, I whatever, that's fine. But if you're looking at you know the state of the the Louisville football program, it's not nearly in the shape that people are making it out to be. And you know, I was I was happy to hear that he had a plan. I think that because Josh Hurd and Vince Tyree have only really talked about the recruiting part of the plan, uh, people have kind of looked at that's just that's the plan, and it's it's not. I mean, we're not going to get insight on what changes he might make on his offense, what changes he might make on the staff, um, what structural changes he might make in in, in what he's doing. It's a three-hour meeting, you know, according to Josh Hurd. Yeah. If it's a three-hour meeting, he's not just talking about, hey, we need, we need more staff from a recruiting standpoint. I'm sure he went through the lines and went through all of his coaches and all those things like that. To me, if, you know, there are a lot of fans clamoring for staff changes, you know, and I, I, I agree to a, certain, to a certain extent, that's that's that should be music to their ears that he came in there with a, with a three-hour plan that he was passionate about. Um, you know, that that's – yeah, I, I'd rather hear that than – you know, hey, we had a good talk and we agreed on some stuff and disagreed on some stuff. You know, I think that's, you know, that's a positive. Yeah, again, to tie it back to Chris Mack, what I've been saying on this show, um, for those who have been listening, and and I've heard some good feedback on this, to be honest with you, but what I've been saying is um, I wanted to see the Chris Mack playbook followed in terms of letting go of some assistants who clearly were not kind of up to where they should be. Um, I know Sat is never going to throw any of his his buddies under the bus, but it's clear they needed to make some changes in a couple of spots. They've made a couple now, uh, but I thought he needed to do that, and I thought um, he needed to get to a microphone, which he's going to do on Wednesday, um, and and talk about how they fell short of the standard. Uh, I know that with basketball, it's different. That's that's a Final Four type of expectation just about every year. Um, so to not make the tournament is a, a huge deal. Um, whereas here you're going to a bowl game, but it's the, you know, it, it takes you back to 2002 Louisville, like the Liberty bowl days and the, the GMAC bowls. I mean, you're playing against an air force team that they, that's not getting anybody excited, but what I'm getting to is Satterfield is starting to follow this plan, right? He's let some coaches go. He's made some moves. Some guys have left. Um, he's made some changes to the roster. We've seen plenty of guys transfer out, which we'll get to here in a little bit. We've seen some guys come in, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Um, and, and there's a real opportunity to kind of, you know, get going. We saw what Michigan state did in one off season in the portal and Satterfield, you know um, no matter what you think about his recruiting that, you know, they've, they've got an opportunity to land some guys to kind of complement what they have. And I think next year could be an eight, eight win, nine win season. And and I, if you win, man, I mean, I think you're in the same boat with, and tell me if I'm wrong, if you win, the fans are going to come back. That's why I'm not so worried about the noise. You win football games and nobody cares. Right. I mean, you know, one of the things that I've I've heard a lot with the coaching carousels, people talk about culture fit and stuff like that, and nobody cares. You win football games and nobody cares. Nick Saban's not not from Alabama. Nobody cares down there. I mean, he he doesn't even – I mean, I I think Nick Saban's the perfect coach. He's the best coach I could possibly imagine for, you know, for for college football to – college college football coaches to, like, kind of model themselves after. But, you know, when he got down there – like his his demeanor and his attitude would didn't really fly well down there. They they like, you know, I've been down to, to Tuscaloosa. It is all Alabama, and he he just is not that super outgoing, overly person. He's not Lane Kiffin, you know. He's the exact opposite. But you win football games and nobody cares at all. You know, your culture is your culture is now our culture because your culture is winning, right? So I think that's that's part of it, and I I get it. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and act like I think. You know, Scott Satterfield is a 
perfect fit for what I personally think, you know, the Louisville football coach should be from a off the field standpoint. You know, I think that, you know, I would love to have more of a guy that's more into the city and things like that. That'd be great. But you know what? They better win football games. That's all I care. At the end of the day, you win football games, you can live wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. Nobody cares. And, and that's what it comes down to. And, you know, I think he's still kind of stuck on this, um, at least to a certain degree, the idea that he, I think he cares that people think that he doesn't want to be here, which is his own fault. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in the, uh, uh, you know, today, listening to, to Josh Hurd, I mean, he talked about that, man. He talked about Satterfield saying he wanted to be here. Like, you better want to be here at this point. You're yeah. here. I don't want to hear that. Like, we, you know, I say we is in the Louisville fan base. I don't need convincing. I'm totally down for Satterfield in year four. But a lot of the fans need convincing, not not the yeah. other way around. Like, that's the, that's and, the weird and, thing that stood out to me today. Well, and the thing, I think he's stuck on it because I, and I, and I, and I know he's had conversations with different media members and things like that to try to, try to get people to understand that. And I, 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 I'll be honest, I believe that he wants to be here. I just don't care. Like, it doesn't matter to me. You know, like, you just just win games and nobody cares if you want to be here. Here's the thing. You can go out there and go undefeated and get a better job, and I wouldn't care either. Hey, you, you the program is where it needs to be. You've gotten it to where it needs to be. Somebody else can come in and take over a good situation. So I don't think any of that stuff matters, but I think he's kind of stuck on it. And I hope that at some point he can kind of get past that and really focus on the fact that, hey, what can you do to get this program to the point where you're consistently getting to around eight wins or so, and it's not the the heartbreaking losses or the frustrating losses and all that stuff like that, and you're winning the big games because you know that's that's also something that he has to do when they have the opportunity win those big games, and he hasn't done that yet. Yeah, there, there's so many different. We could literally keep, we could do a three hour show on just this topic alone. I mean, there's so many different ways that we could come at this in terms of whether Louisville's moving forward or backwards. I want to finish uh, you know, this conversation on this part Malik Cunningham is coming back Monty Montgomery is coming back Control Clark is coming back Louisville's got the, the the foundation pieces next year and not to mention the offensive line outside of I think you know Caleb and Cole Bentley uh Caleb Chandler Cole Bentley but Louisville's got the pieces next year to be super competitive they had a young roster this year that will mature a lot of pieces in that 2020 and 21 class will start to get onto the field I feel like there's a chance, but he's got to prove it. This is not, I'm not going to play this hype train game again, where we, we talk about how good they, they are and every position is the best they've ever had. I'm tired of that crap. I think most fans are just go win. And, and this will go, everything will kind of move past. All right, let's talk about recruiting. That's the whole reason we're here. Uh, again, 2022 class signing day will be on Wednesday. Louisville currently holds 11 commitments, six uh, players on offense, seven. If you include the blue shirt center, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. And then four on the defensive side. They also hold commitments from three transfers. D. Wiggins out of Miami, MJ Griffin out of Temple, and I believe Taiwan Evans. Taiwan, we, we've been debating on the show how to pronounce that first name there. Um, but the, a couple of really good transfers that will uh, fit nicely there. But let's dive right into this, Keith. Let's let's look at the offensive side of things, the commitment starting at the most important position. Scott Satterfield has, has gotten a lot of criticism for his inability to recruit a quarterback at Louisville. Um, it's hard to do that, in my opinion, when you have a guy as good as Malik Cunningham starting. It's pretty clear no one's coming in here and starting over him. Um, Caleb Johnson, he is from Pinson, Alabama, six foot two, 200 pound quarterback, uh, committed to the cards a long time ago over Virginia Tech, Utah State, USF, uh, San Diego State, and Kansas. He'd probably have a better offer sheet if he wasn't committed to Louisville. What are your thoughts, man? I think he's good enough to be the quarterback here in a couple of years. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, I remember when he, when he committed, we actually talked and, 
you know, I, 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 I like the kid when he committed. I thought he was good. Uh, I don't think anybody's grown or grown on me as much as, as Caleb mm-hmm. Johnson. You know, mm-hmm. you watch one thing that's been great is that he's playing at a, at a pretty high level school. So you get plenty of videos and plenty of highlights and stuff like that on the timeline, you know, every Saturday morning, you know, you seem like you wake up and he's, you know, you see these tweets flying around where he's throwing a dime down the field. I think that he has uh, all the ability you need uh, to be a, a good quarterback here at Louisville. Um, mm. He has a big time arm. You know, yeah. that's one thing that really stood out. It's not just the throws down the field. You know, those are a little bit easier because you can put air on them and things like that. It's when he's driving the ball to the outside, outside the hashes. Yes. You know, 10, 15 yard comebacks. And he's just, you know, the ball is on a, on a line. Um, that's the stuff that, that you can't, it's all about what you can't teach, the things you can't coach. And, you know, I, I, I talk about that a lot because you know, when you're looking at, you know, you, when you can, when you're Alabama and you can recruit five stars, you're going to have your, all your guys are going to be doing things that you can't coach. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Louisville and, and programs like Louisville and pretty much you're not recruiting at an elite level, you know, outside the top eight to 10 classes in the country. You have to find guys that can do those things you can't coach. And I think Caleb Johnson, from a from a passing standpoint, a poise standpoint, you know, he he just drops back. He never seems to be flustered. He's very good at getting out of the pocket without dropping his eyes, not looking to run. He's only run for 161 yards this year. Yeah, but he's a dual threat quarterback, though. Yeah, he's a dual threat, though. <laughs> let's, straight, straight we don't need to address the elephant in the room of why they called him that. But yeah, let's, amazing, let's be honest, right? he's not a running quarterback. At all. Uh, but he, he can he can use his legs enough to get out of, you know, Satterfield has always said we want guys that can at least uh, extend the play or get out of trouble. And I think he yeah. fits that. So I think he's a guy that really, um, you know, can come in next year. I hope that he has a chance to push for that backup role because I think they need to they need to elevate that position. Yeah. Um, and then I think that for the future, you know, being a second year guy, I think he can come in and I think he can take over from Willie Cunningham, uh, you know, from what I've seen. And hopefully when he gets here, you know, Pete Thomas did a really good job with Malik Cunningham this year. Hopefully he can take under, you know, Caleb, who is, you know, that's the first guy he offered. Pete Thomas got the job and immediately was like, that's I a want great point. That's a great point. I mean, point. He, he had a, he could have easily gone out and said, we're going to start offering everybody in the sun. It's the first guy he offered. Um, and, you know, I think that says a lot. I think that's something that, you know, he sees what he wants. And, you know, you know, Pete's a, Pete's a good coach. I think he did a good job this year with Malik. You know, it's hard not to trust that he maybe see something in, in the next guy. Yeah, I think if he had one more star to his name, there'd be a lot more talk about him around here, comparing him to the Teddies and the Lamars and, and is he Sats guy, but he's a three-star. Louisville fans are tired of three stars. But one thing that really stood out to me was we had John Garcia on who covers recruiting nationally for Sports Illustrated uh, back in the summer, shortly after Louisville got their first couple of run of commitments. And he, I mean, he gushed over Caleb Johnson and, and the level of competition that he played against and, yeah. and, and that he was a winner. And here we are on the, six months later, and he's a state title champion, a state champion in the state of Alabama, which is one of the best um, states for, for high school football. He's a guy who I am really excited about, man. I really do think he's got potential and he's not being talked enough, uh, enough about. In fact, I would say he, he has the potential to be, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without this sounding crazy. He's got the potential to be, the game changer for Satterfield recruiting wise. I mean, we have, we haven't seen a quarter. He also could be T Webb and leave after one year, but I feel like 
it's it, it's just for me. I feel like he's shaping up to take over for Malik Cunningham. I really do. I know Pierce Clarkson is a hot topic, hot name. If he ends up at Louisville, we'll see. But Caleb Johnson, got, people need to talk more about him because I do think he is what we need to kind of push this position forward and change this narrative on Satterfield. Yeah, and I think the the competition level is a is a really key fact. Um, you look at some of the other guys that they're looking at. Some of the guys are trying to bring in. Some of the guys, you know, it's something that they I think they they look for. Um, from a recruiting standpoint is do these guys play at a high level and then also how do they, how do they play at that, at that level? And I think Charlie strong, that was something that they really looked at. Um, you know, I know that was a factor for them. They wanted guys that can go out and win championships. I, you know, whether or not, Hey, how much of that matters is always up to, you know, up to interpretation, but you know, it's something that I think, especially from a quarterback standpoint, you have to be, you have to be going after guys that, can show that they can play against top competition at that level and do well. I mean, he, and he's done it. Yeah, he absolutely does. Uh, in the future, one guy he could be throwing to our next uh, committed player here, Chance Morrow out of Charlotte, North Carolina. He's an interesting prospect committed uh, over the summer was unranked at the time, but uh, something you don't see very often held offers. And I say offers in quotations because <laughs> they're listed, but who knows if they're committable. But Joe Juvel over Miami, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Ohio State. That doesn't happen very often. So uh, here we are now, and he's one of the highest rated players in the class. Um, I don't know what his season was like. I've honestly not heard much about him. But, again, you can't teach six foot six. They've not had a big, big target like that in quite some time. Seth Dawkins was, what, six five. So, I mean, I guess he's kind of in that area. But what do you like about Chance tomorrow and why were so many teams um, kind of, I guess, lining up? I don't, I, I laugh at that where they love Maybe I don't really know think, what to think of this. I think, I think, uh, so I, I, I spent my Sunday, you know, pre-writing our, the, the signing day post. So I got to look, I got to watch video. I got to kind of go back and look at the recruiting and all that stuff like that. He is by far the most interesting recruit I've ever, I can, I can remember since like back in like the DeMar Dorsey days. Demar like Dorsey, just, man, just, <laughs> just completely weird stuff. What's going on with him? Hard to figure out. Yeah, um, you know, I know that his Virginia Tech offer was 100% legit. Um, you know, I, I do know that the rest of them, Lord knows, I have no clue. It's so uh, weird, I, though. It's so weird because normally you don't see 247 sports rivals list offers like this if they're not. Yeah somewhat you know real i mean you know i, I don't I, that's why i kind of i don't know what to think of this i don't i don't i i got nothing i don't know if it was one of those things where he he maybe took um you know camp invites as offers i don't know if he just <laughs> i have no clue I you think, no clue. One of the, you think um, the recruiting services would follow up on that yeah i know i legit. know it's weird to be like some of them some of them haven't listened some of them don't um but i think you know this is he, he's interesting from that standpoint, but also I think he's going to be a, you know, to be very blunt, he's a, he's, he's probably the recruiting class that is going to test the the staff and, and their evaluations more than anybody. So when Chance Morrow visited Louisville, they had five receivers on campus. Uh, two of them, uh, two of them were outside, outside receivers like Chance Morrow. They're not going to play the slot. They're going to play outside. Yeah. And both those guys ended up at Power Five schools. Yeah. Gunnar Brewer took Chance Morrow's commitment like on this on the first night immediately, which in turn essentially is telling those other two guys, we might not have a spot for you, or or maybe you know, hey, we already took this guy, you know, you you missed out, whatever it may be. One of those guys is Wesley Grimes, who's now a four star, yeah. one of the best players in North Carolina is going to Wake Forest. 
um, who grew, who's another guy that grew on me once I watched a senior film. I wasn't mm-hmm. too high on him. I didn't know if he had the, the top end speed that you want to see, but you watch him now and I'm like, yeah, he's definitely improved and he's definitely showing that, you know, highlights are highlights. You can only really tell so much. Chance Morrow is a, is a project. Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not going to come in as a ready-made player. I, and maybe I could be wrong, but I think he's got to build weight. I think yeah. that um, he's, he's raw because he's, he's a basketball player turned football player really more than anything. Um, and I think they had a couple other guys that maybe were more polished or, or maybe could get on the field earlier, or maybe a little bit less of a project. And Gunnar Brewer made his call. And Gunnar Brewer knows more about anything involving football than I'll ever know. So, you know, you take, you know, you, you kind of trusted his evaluations what it needs to be. My concern, I watched his highlights. You watch his senior film, and I swear to God, and at one moment, I looked at him, I was like, that looks like that looks exactly like a Randy Moss highlight yeah. because he's so long and lanky and he kind of gallops and he caught this screen pass and it looked like the one where you know Randy Moss hurdles a guy the big, you mm-hmm. know the highlight you always see I was like man I wonder if Gunnar Brewer maybe fell in love with this kid on that potential and kind of saw that you know whatever it may be but it's gonna be a thing where you know I, like I said Gunnar Brewer is goat I'm not yeah. gonna you know whatever it may be but you know, they haven't really recruited the receiver position all that well at the high school level. They've had guys transfer out. You know, at some point, you kind of want those returns to be a little bit better. And hopefully it happens. But I think that he's a project. I don't think he's a guy that will see the field early. Um, but can't teach 6'6". Six, six. Um, he does have, he can run away from people when he gets in the open field. Uh, and then you obviously have the fact that he can catch contested footballs, which Louisville doesn't have many guys that can really do that. Um, and, and that's, so that's a positive, obviously, is you have a guy that can really, you can throw the ball up to him a little bit. Your quarterback doesn't have to be perfectly accurate, things like that, which is always, always positive. They need another wide receiver who can, uh, come in and play right away because that, that, that room is, uh, it was at one point super deep, but here we are. And, uh, just to my count next year returning, you've got Tyler Harrell, uh, Amari Huggins, Bruce, Braden Smith, Demetrius Cannon. Josh Johnson, we'll see what happens there. Uh, and then you bring in D Wiggins. So the, the room is a little thin. Chance Morrow and Mo Turner, who we'll get into here in a little bit, present some unique options there. All right, offensive line. I don't want to we, – we're, we're going at a, a, a very slow pace here, so I want to start to pick it up a little bit. Isaiah Reed out, out of uh, Jackson, Tennessee, six foot six, two hundred ninety five offensive tackle. Joe Juvel over BC, Memphis, Colorado, and Ole Miss. They've got a lot of offensive linemen. Like they've got – I feel like they've got 30 offensive linemen. that I, If yeah. I sat here, we could name them all. But uh, we're – does he fit can he play right away or is this a guy who's a project you know uh he's he's legitimately that big um he kind of reminds me a little bit of michael gonzalez of last year where you you watch him in high school and you can at least see that he seems like he's he's a little bit better than the other guys so to speak um on three which is a new recruiting site that's an offshoot of 247 they bumped him up to the He's ranked 121st in the country overall and the 10th best offensive tackle in the country. And that's based on his senior film. So, I mean, I watched it. He's a mauler. He throws people around. Uh, he's got that mm-hmm. mean streak that offensive line coaches always talk about. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, tons of pancake blocks, knockdown mm-hmm. blocks. Uh, but, you know, he's playing in Memphis. You know, he's not, he's bigger than everybody. Um, but I think out of all of them, I think that he's probably the guy that, uh, you know, I could see maybe getting into the two deep. Uh, they need help at the offensive tackle position from a depth standpoint. Um, so I think that he's a guy that could could get out there early. Uh, but I think long term, at least, he's definitely a guy that looks like he looks the part. 
Let me ask you this question, then we'll move on to the next moment here. Did uh, Dwayne Ledford miss on a lot of offensive linemen? Because it feels like in that class, 2019, 2020, 2021, you brought in a ton of offensive linemen who have yet to see the field. Uh, Kobe Baines is one. Um, Luke Kandra is another. They've had numerous players, transfer Zach Williamson, Jackson Gregory. I mean, the offensive line, we talk about it being, you know, they need more depth, but it feels like they've taken 30 offensive linemen. What, I mean, is it just that they've not, they've not developed, they missed what, what's going on there? Cause I don't understand. I think there's a couple misses, but I think more than anything is that they just, they, they kind of got to a point where they had their top guys and yeah. those guys are all pretty much still here, still there. You know, Cole Bentley, think about it this way. Cole Bentley is, is leaving obviously. And you'll still have the same, essentially the same five offensive linemen because Brian Hudson is just going to slide in, who is their number six guy. So even next year, your 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 seven guys are going to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, your your starting five plus Michael Gonzalez and then Luke Kendra, who played some this year as the as the as the what eighth guy. Now he's your seven guy. So they once you get to seven and you've got a backup interior guy, you got a backup outside guy. There's just not a there's not a lot of snaps for those guys. So. I know they when they got a chance, which which part of those blowouts you get to see who the coaches are looking at as the next guys. Yeah, you got a couple guys in there, but some of those guys, I mean, you got to think about it. Like you know, last year they had Austin Collins and Joshua Black start a game in the Wake Forest game, and those guys I don't think they've seen the field since then. So, you know, those guys they might not they might not be be at the point where they see them playing, uh, but I do think that you have to have bodies on the offensive line. But I, I kind of agree. It seems like they're kind of going overboard. But I do think they're probably going to lose some guys to transfer because they have such a – I mean, Louisville has 70-something freshmen, you know, class-wise. Yeah. You're going to lose some of those guys because they know they're not going to see the field ever. Yeah. I, I, ex- I expect the same thing. I mean, there's too many guys from those four classes at this point who have just not seen the field who – I mean, if, if the writing is on the wall, that like Timothy Lawson, for example, he was a really high-rated guy. I don't think we've seen him touch the field yeah. yet. I mean, it's – Perfect example, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, let's move on here. Maurice Turner, he is a wide receiver athlete. I've not heard much about position and what he will bring to the Louisville offense, but he's a smaller guy, speedy guy, five foot eight, 170 pounds. Uh, chose Juvel over Cincinnati, which that offer on paper a few months ago, not that attractive now, looks completely different. Tennessee, Liberty, East Carolina. Uh, what's the role here? Is it a is it a running back, wide receiver, all-purpose back? Is this a 2-2 Atwell kind of guy? How do you see them using Mo Turner in their offense? You know, I, I, I've kind of gone back and forth on this because he's 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 really more of a – even though he's a smaller guy and usually those guys are kind of your quick guys, he's more of a straight-line guy, kind of like 2-2 was. He, he's not going to really make you miss in the open field. He's going to run by you. I mean, he's a track guy, another guy that does things that you can't coach. Um, but, I, you know, when he when he first committed, it was kind of made clear that, hey, he's going to be a running back. And then now you kind of sit back and it's like, I don't know, man. Like, I, they, they seem to be recruiting another running back. So, um, I think that he's going to be a guy that you bring in and then you figure it out. You know, and, and, and that's that's when you have guys that can run, that's, that's, that's not a bad thing. You know, you bring him in, you see – whether or not they can, you know, play in the slot, if that's where he fits, or if he can gain weight, because he's, you know, he's only five eight, five nine, but Javian Hawkins is a pretty small guy too. So, you know, if you can, if they, if he can do the things they need to do in that zone running scheme as a running back, you put him there and and, and see how it works. If not, you know, he 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 catches the ball well. He catches the ball with his hands. He can lay out and make diving catches. I mean, he's got the skills as a wide receiver that you can develop. So. To me, I think it's it's a it's kind of one of those things where it's a blessing either way. He's gonna he's got speed, 
He's mm-hmm. got good enough size, adequate size. He can break tackles. You just figure it out when he gets here. And, you know, one, one thing in, in general about this class is that they're not going to be looking for most of these guys to come in and play right away. You know, they, they have so many young guys already ahead of them. But then you also have a lot of guys coming back that have played. So you, you have a chance to bring these guys in, get them out, get them there, get them in the weight room, see how they work, evaluate them a little bit more, and then figure it out down the road. And, you know, it usually works out. Yeah, the roster turnover makes, you know, the recruiting thing now just one of those things where if you, you miss, you move on and, there you know, you cut ties and, and see what happens. I'm interested to see kind of this trend of, and I don't know if it's more injury-based in the NFL this season, but we've seen a lot of wide receivers take, you know, handoffs out of the backfield and get more involved in the running game. Debo Samuel, I know he's – uh, just a dynamite athlete. I'm not saying Maurice Turner is that, but it would be interesting to see Louisville kind of develop that in their offense. I also think it would be great to get some more running back throw, you know, not, not passing, but passing to the running back, um, yeah. you know, more designed kind of two running backs in the, in the backfield where, you know, one's blocking, one's running out, you know, some kind of, some kind of route, a Texas route or something to, to just kind of give you something over the, the middle of the field and potentially use speed to, to break a big play. I mean, uh, that's kind of what you see all the time in these big offenses is guys who you just get them the ball and they can make something happen. So hopefully we'll see something uh, like that with Mo Turner. He's definitely a weapon. Okay, moving on. Two more offensive commitments here. Nate Kariski. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I sure hope so. Uh, he's out of Gonzaga High School, Washington, D.C. Uh, flipped from Georgia Tech just a few weeks ago. Uh, six foot three, 235 pounds. He'll play that tight end H back position. Shows U of L over BC, Duke, ECU. Uh, also held offers from Miami and Michigan State. Um, this might potentially be a, a dumb question. I don't know. I've not kept up with this fella enough, but is this a flip candidate here? Because I did see that uh, his lead recruiter was Stu Holt, who's no longer at U of L. Um, is it a flip candidate? And if not, what do you think about uh, the addition here at tight end? Um, so I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna follow Stu because I know that Virginia Tech has one of the best tight ends in the country that's sticking with his commitment. So, you know, I don't think he I don't think it'll be that. But I, I and also I think that you know he kind of flipped from Georgia Tech after they had staff changes. You know, I don't I don't think that anybody I don't think I don't think most of these kids want to kind of go bouncing back and forth. He did visit back in September of last year, um, back when they were still building you know their plan for the class. Um, and I do think that you know. I don't think it's lost on him that Louisville wasn't going to take a tight end in this class, mostly because they, they, they took two last year they had two the year before, you know, you still have, you know, Ford coming back, Isaiah Martin coming back, Francis Sherman coming back. I mean, you talk about a position group that has a lot of guys in it and tight end is, has a blood. Yeah. So, you know, they, they brought him in because I do think they, 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 they see him as a, as a guy that's going to play for him. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because he has a, he has a huge offer list. And, you know, <laughs> I didn't realize that he had a huge offer list until Sunday, but I, I did know that he plays at Gonzaga in D.C., which is where Caleb Williams, the number one overall re- recruit last year, played. So, you know, he kind of, you know, had a nice situation where he's catching passes from the best player in the country and you get noticed. Uh, yeah, so I think yeah. that, you know, not only, you know, those offers, you know, are I think, you know, you get into the whole thing is, are these offers legit, this, that, and the other? I mean, Teams don't just throw away, throw out offers just for no no reason. You're at least getting to the standpoint they want you to come to your camp. They want you, they want to see you in person. You know that's better than the vast majority of kids in high school. So uh, I, I, that really kind of stood out to me yesterday. Um, but I think the thing that he brings to the table is he has great pass catching ability. Um, the guys that they brought in just haven't really um, shown that as much. Yeah. Christian Peterson showed it a little bit. 
And I thought that he, I think that he'll eventually be able to get on the field a little bit more. But, you know, you look at Vic Mullen, was more of a blocker in high school. Um, you know, Desmond Daniels, who moved off his line, he's transferred already. Um, uh, you got Dwayne Martin, a, run, a guy that was a running back in high school. Des Melton was a running back in high school. So they really kind of tweaked those guys' position. Bringing in a guy that played in more of a spread offense that, that passed the ball a lot, definitely a big plus. Uh, adequate speed, not a burner or anything like that, but knows how to get separation, which is something that tight ends have to be able to do. You've got to be able to get away from guys because you don't have your speed to just run away from people. He knows how to do that, and he catches the ball really well, which is something that Louisville needs. They only got three catches out of their tight end position, uh, their, 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 their wide tight end position, the guy that lines up on the line. You know, obviously, you have Marshawn Ford who killed it, but you've got to have both of those tight end positions catching the football, and you only get three catches. That's that's just that's just not going to cut it. So you've got to bring in guys who can catch the ball, and I think he does that really well. Yeah, Peterson and uh, Mullins not really getting on the field this past year was surprising, considering the fact that I didn't think Francis Sherman, Dwayne Martin, um, or even Des Melton really did much to to separate themselves. So interesting to see what happens at that tight end position. All right, moving on to the last commitment on the offensive side of the ball, Max Cabana. I think this might be one of the more interesting commitments and one that I think a lot of fans have questions of. I have questions on this. This is a head scratcher for me out of East Hampton, Massachusetts, but uh, Hale's originally from Canada, former hockey player. He's six foot six, 275. Um, yeah, it shows offers, uh, chose U of L over Brown, Dartmouth, Central Michigan, kind of one of those reoccurring themes that we've seen with Satterfield. I swear every player Louisville offers holds an offer from Brown, Dartmouth <laughs> and Central Michigan. I, I, I don't understand it, but, uh, he's a guy that, uh, the, that, uh, the staff clearly sees some kind of potential in maybe one of those Zen Mikowski type of situations. Obviously Zen Mikowski last year went on to play at Ohio state. Max Cabana didn't really get many more offers throughout the year. You know, you'll occasionally see a guy kind of catch on late and get more offers, but didn't necessarily happen. So is this a, what, what is this help, help fans who are concerned about recruiting, understand why they're taking non ranked offensive linemen. Well, I think, I think Cabana is a guy that, you know, first off, he has great size, you know, finding six, five, six, six guys is not always easy. Um, so I think there's, you know, one thing that's become very obvious when you look at Jack Bignell and his maybe change in in recruiting philosophy is that he wants tall, long guys where um, I do think Dwayne Ledford was much bigger on quickness, uh, mm-hmm. not as much on length. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend to know why one is better than the other, uh, but it's definitely a change in philosophy. But I think that, that Max Cabana, one of the things that I read up on him a lot when he when he committed, because just like everybody else, I was like, who is who, who is this guy? You know, like he's he's Canadian. He, he plays Massachusetts, whatever it may be. Um, one of the things I read up on him a lot from a, from a few different people were was that COVID kind of killed his recruiting. Um, didn't get to travel. Didn't really get to be seen very much. Didn't get to camp. Um, and I think that that's a factor. I think the camp stuff is a big thing. I, I always go back to John Miller. Uh, this is obviously years ago and recruiting is totally different. But I remember John Miller essentially got his offer because he played with, you know, at Miami Central with a bunch of studs. And they were out, you know, Louisville's out recruiting different guys. And they said, hey, well, let's get this guy. John Miller never camped. He just really wasn't that, really wasn't the big recruit. Devontae Parker was also a guy that didn't really do a lot of the, 
uh, I call it external recruiting, getting yourself recruited. Um, so, you know, some of those guys just don't really, when you don't have that opportunity, you don't really get noticed very much. Um, coaches will swear up and down. They don't look at recruiting rankings and stuff like that. They're absolutely lying. It's right, the easiest right. way to figure out who everybody else is recruiting and who you should be looking for. I mean, it's just a shortcut, right? The only other way to do this is to go to every single school in the country and you can't do that. So I think him being kind of out of nowhere, being Canadian, all that stuff factors in. Uh, well, I, 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 I like this video from the standpoint of, you know, he kind of, he can move well, you know, that the, the mean streak thing is, is something I noticed with, with two of the offensive linemen um, that I, that I watched yesterday. And it really stood out because I think that, that's the type of the aggression you, you Bicknell and Lefford always talk about the same thing, finishing blocks, things like that. And I think that he shows that ability, but I do, you know, at the same time, I think they're willing to take some kind of chances on some of these guys that fit the physical build that they want. And I think that's really what Bicknell has been focusing on. I mean, all three of the guys in the class are almost exactly the same size, six, five, six, six, 295 pounds. The yep. Cabana has been between listed between 275 and 285. You know, they're all big. They're all going to come in and not have to add a bunch of weight. You look at some of the guys that Louisville's got, Austin Collins, Josh Black, both came in at 260, 270 pounds. And, that, and those guys also aren't seen the field very much. So being able to bring in guys that have the size and, and maybe have those traits, you don't have to work on them as projects from a body standpoint and a, and a, and a technique standpoint. You're just working on the technique because they have the adequate size. Maybe that's what they're looking for. He's he's kind of a he's a he's a he's a reach, obviously. But you know, sometimes you sit back and it's like Jack now. He seen you know he knows the stuff, and hopefully he's seeing something that we're not seeing. You know. Yeah. All right. Let's move over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, where they hold four commitments right now, three of which come on the uh, defensive line, which is where I think they need the most improvement heading into next year. Let's start at the top. The top ranked guy in the class. He's a hometown guy. Uh, Selah Brown played at Louisville Mail, uh, state runner up here, six foot two, 251 pounds. I personally, I, I think the star rankings matter here. The narrative of landing a player like Selah Brown um, obviously makes a ton of sense, but I, I am looking at him in this defense and just wonder where he's going to play. He's 251 pounds, which they've obviously had guys come in much smaller than that. Uh, Ashton Gelati, a perfect example, but I don't necessarily know if I see a defensive end in a three, four, um, I definitely don't think I see an outside linebacker in a three in a in a three four. What do you what do you see with him? Why is he a four star kid? And uh, where do you see him playing at on the defense? You know, I, I think that one of the best things about Sailor Brown is that when you watch him play in high school, he plays in a kind of a similar role that I think they're going to play him in, which is I think he'll be in that weak side defensive end role where you see Yaya Diaby now. Um, Sailor is a he has a compact build and. You know, Louisville has two guys in the roster right now, or one now that, that Jadarian Boykin transferred today or entered the portal today, that he and Henry Bryant, you know, I'll never forget, I went out to fall practice when they had the one open practice this, this year, and, you know, I walked past both those guys standing next to each other, and they just, they don't look like, they don't look like defensive linemen because they have, they're, they're shorter guys. You know, Jadarian yeah. Boykin is listed like six foot. He, he and Henry Bryant are maybe five ten. Yeah. And they don't have long limbs. So, you know, when you're when you're playing a defensive end spot in a three, four, you have to have one or two things. You have to either be very long so that you can, you know, extend your arms and control blockers. Or you have to be massive so that you can just, you know, just hold your ground. 
And not even just, but you have to be able to move. Like you can't be like, if you look at the three, four defenses that are super successful and I know it's the NFL, but you got guys playing on the outside that are still 300 pounds, 290 pounds playing, you know, defensive ends in those systems. So not only do you have to be big, but you've got to be able to move. Right. And it's, and it's, you know, and obviously the college level is, you know, and I, and I believe me, I a hundred percent, you know, at least 75% agree with the lack of size on, on Louisville's defense line as an issue. But to your point, Finding guys that big that can move, you, you're, you're Alabama, Georgia's, and, and those of the world, you can do that easily. It's a lot harder. I mean, Louisville has not signed a 300-pound-plus defensive lineman outside of uh, Jimmy uh, uh, Desmi um, Dumaville Jean mm-hmm. since Jamon Brown, who then also moved to the offensive line. line. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not easy to find, and it's not just a Scott Satterfield issue. It's the thing that you just don't see that many guys at that size coming out of high school and you got to find, you got to be able to build those guys up. But I think that what Selah Brown brings is a guy who understands the role very well. But I think he has enough size. I think he should be able to get to two seventy. And if you're at two seventy playing on that weak side defensive end, mm-hmm. you can you can you can win with that. You, yeah. You know, you 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 might not be, you know, you want those three hundred pound guys, but I think that Selah Brown is cat quick, which is a huge plus. But he his technique is so good and you look at a lot of guys at the high school level they don't under they don't know how to use technique to win and he uses his hand so well he extends so well and he uses brute force and leverage to push guys around and that's what Louisville needs as much as you need size you need guys that can get into an offensive lineman's chest and push them into the backfield and they haven't had that that's what they they've had quickness They've had guys that can shoot into the the gap and maybe make a player or disrupt the play. They need guys like Sailor Brown who know how to use leverage to push guys around and be aggressive at the at the point of attack. That is their issue. And bringing a guy like Brown, who I I you know Ashton Gelati is a similar guy, aggressive, 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 and you need a mentality. And I think that's what they've been missing more than just the talent, the skill, the size. It's a mindset, and I think that, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's frustrating. You have a guy like Mark Ivey, who obviously is an intense guy, but it doesn't always translate to the players, and you see these guys kind of getting pushed around a little bit sometimes. You know, they weren't bad against the run up until, obviously, the U.K. game is just awful. But they, they had games where you see them hold their, hold their ground, be disruptive. They need that consistently, and I think Selah Brown brings that. Um, you know, I think he brings a, a technique and a skill set that maybe his size is a question. And I and I I wrote about this yesterday. It's a question whether or not he can get there. If he can get there and get to 270, maybe 275. Uh, I know that Louisville, when you know when he came to visit, I think he was at 260 or something like that. You know, maybe he can get in that range. And if he can get there, I think he can be a force. Another position where they that the Louisville coaching staff has really missed. Uh, I don't want to say miss because again, I don't really quite understand, but the defensive line, much like the offensive line, they've just taken anybody and everybody for numbers purposes. It seems like um, I just tried to go through and quickly list every defensive lineman that I can think of. And I'm at 12 right now, and that's not including the new players coming in. So it's very clear um, that that's a position where they still just don't have what they're looking for. Uh, but the next commitment on our list is a guy who's got the chance to kind of join that list of pass rushers, special players on the defensive line. That's Popeye Williams out of Indianapolis, six foot three, two thirty. Uh, he's a four-star commitment, and he is a guy who's an Under Under Armour All-American. 
I think when fans think of him, they think as uh, potentially somebody who can come in and make an impact from day one. He's been committed for a long time, reaffirmed his commitment I, more times than I can count. Um, <laughs> yeah. What do you think about him, man? He's got he, he's got a cool name, but does he have a game that can match that? Yeah, yeah. I think that, uh, you know, here's the thing with Popeye Williams, another guy that, you know, it's not just a talent level. It's not just a skill set. It's, you know, he, he works with Robert Mathis up in Indianapolis. Uh, you know, I'm sure anybody listening to this knows who Robert Mathis is, a, you know, one of the best pass rushers in the history of the NFL. And he's now, a, you know, I guess you can call him a personal trainer, but he's a, he's a pass rush trainer. So um, Popeye Williams has been working with him a couple of years, and it shows, man. You watch this kid, whether it be his high school film, you watch him in camps, the rivals camps and whatnot, which he's, I think he won two MVP awards this, this past summer. Um, he knows how to play football. Like, and I, and I, that sounds so corny and cliche, but so many guys get by on just being talented at the high school level. This guy has spin moves. He has rips. He has, uh, uh, swim, um, uh, swims. I mean, he can do anything he does. He knows how to get under, uh, uh, offensive tackles on the, on the edge. I mean, you watch him do things and you're like, yeah, this is the stuff that, I, I, I like this is the stuff you teach, right? But you usually teach at the college level. You teach at the NFL level. He's he's learning this at the high school level, and he and he applies it, which is really good. That's the other aspect is that you can teach kids anything, and that, at that age, it's very hard to get them to actually, you know, apply it in a game. But you watch all his highlights. You know, he's another guy that we luckily, um, you know, being in Indianapolis, that's where a lot of the two four seven guys, Steve Wolfong and Alan True, they 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 kind of travel those games. You get live game, you know, footage and whatnot, and you know, you can see this guy making plays, and I think that that's going to be something that's going to be a huge factor. Is that he knows how to do these technique things that most guys don't know how to do. He's got the skill set. Um, he's a little bit undersized, you know, because he's a six two, six three range, two twenty five to two forty somewhere in that range. But I mean, if you know, he's going to get in here, gain some weight. I think he's going to play the dog position where Yasir Dubla plays, where Cam Wilson plays. I think because Cam Wilson, first and foremost, the little bit we saw him this year, he can play. The other factor is that Scott Satterfield kept pointing out that he was injured and, hey, we, we want to get him back. He, he he usually only talks about guys he feels are going to play. Okay, so I got to ask be, you. I got to ask you. Let me – I got to ask you. What makes you think he can play? I'm just curious because I keep stats from his, of the season throughout the year as the year goes. He didn't have a single tackle. He had one quarterback hurry. What What is it yeah. that you saw? Cam, so the thing that I like about Cam – so, first off, he's got he's he's long. He's got that length that you want on the edge. That quite 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 honestly, you look at his sheer Yusir Abdullah doesn't have the doesn't have a lot of length. You know, another compact guy that uses his speed. Cam Wilson can run like kind of has that gazelle. Like he mm-hmm. can really run. And when you watch him, what rush the passer the handful of times he did, he had I think and I and I stress this I guess a little bit. Guys that can have that have moves that they can apply on the field. It's something that I, it sounds dumb. There are so many people, so many pass rushers that don't know how to do anything other than just try to run past the guy or run into the guy and see if they can get off a block or something like that. Cam Wilson showed that he actually has a couple pass pass rushing moves, and that QB hurry is actually the, the play that I was like, oh yeah, this guy he gets it. Because it was it was unbelievable. He got to the quarterback in like two seconds, and I, I remember watching it. And I was like, "Oh, they're they're going to be fine once receiver moves on." They won't. They, they don't have you know. Not say he's at that level, but 
but it's not like, oh my God, you're seriously leaving. Who are we gonna play? So I think that that's that's something that you know I really I really like about Cam Wilson. You watch him on special teams here and there. He he, he runs, he hits, and I think the, the the hard thing about it is that yeah, you don't know until they really get out there all the time. But you look for those flashes. That's right. why I was so frustrated when Lovey Jenkins ended up transferring. You watch him play, and he only played a little bit, didn't put up any stats, and it's like, yeah, but you see the flashes that this guy can play. Yeah. You just got to see it out there. I mean, Ben Perry's another guy. Little things, going after punt blocks. I remember watching mm-hmm. the game that he played, and he almost blocked three punts. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy can play. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not a, you know, it's not, the, it's not the big flashy play, but so many guys, especially young players, get out on the field, and they can't, it, it doesn't, they, they can't put it all together. And I think that that's the little bit we saw from Cam Wilson reminds me of all these other guys when they, they finally got on the field and you see those little moments and it's like, okay, this guy can actually play. He'll put it together. Kind of a greedy event last year. You see those little moments. And then this year, he, you can see that he puts it together and he's just going to get better and better over time comes. It'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Yasir Abdullah to see if he comes back for that extra year of eligibility because, uh, I mean, behind him, you mentioned Cam Wilson. I mean, Nick Okeke obviously is one of the guys that's leaving in the portal. They've got really nothing there. So there there could be an opportunity for a guy like uh, Popeye Williams, potentially a Vic Tone Brown, just a number of these guys who haven't gotten to see the field yet potentially compete at that spot. All right, let's keep it moving here to my, my personal favorite uh, player in this class, I have no idea what's going to happen with a player of this size, but um, when you're talking about Louisville really struggling to match up with Kentucky, there is no better remedy than a six foot three, 335 pound defensive lineman. That's Tafik Thomas out of Tampa, Florida. Um, he recently committed to Louisville had, had either been committed or was trending towards a commitment towards Iowa state, but kind of backed off that Louisville got reinvolved. Uh, ended up visiting and committing to Louisville. He's the biggest signee of the Satterfield era. And like you said, he's the biggest player to commit to Louisville outside of uh, Desmond Jean Dumerville since uh, Jamon Brown. I, I, I don't think this is a kid who's going to have any shot at playing year one, but what do you see long-term for him? I mean, you would think he's the perfect fit at that nose guard position in that three, four. You know, I think, you know, one, the first thing you look for when you watch these kids that are 300 plus, especially him at 325, uh, he was at 360 pounds a couple of years ago. Uh, you want to see them run. You want to, and not from a standpoint of how fast they are. You just <laughs> flat want to see them run. Like, because guys that big, they, they, they get by on being bigger than everybody else. First off. So second, the second thing you notice, they don't want to run down plays outside their area. I mean, if you weigh that much and you know, you feel like, Hey, I'm not going to catch that guy anyway. You're not going to run either. Nobody would. Right. But mostly the, 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 the thing that stands out about Thomas is that he will run down plays way out of his area. I'm talking about the other half to the sideline chasing running backs because, first off, he can run. He's, he moves very well for a guy as big, as big as he is. But I think it's just the effort. The motor is there. And yeah. Louisville will – one thing that I will give Mark Ivey and the defensive staff credit for – Every defensive lineman they've recruited, they they have motor. They are gonna they're gonna play very hard, and that's something that getting a guy this big that plays this hard. I mean, he also had Michigan, you know, looking at him and and mm-hmm. recruiting him and inviting him for a visit. He didn't make the visit, and things might have cooled off at that point. But Michigan's Michigan, you know, he's got offers from other Power Five schools. You know, some of those schools maybe weren't as into him as at Iowa State and Louisville were, but to my point, these, these these schools are interested because they see something in you. And I think that 
Louisville got a steal yeah. with Thomas. I think that he is the size of the type of guy that they needed that nose, guy, nose guard spot, but he can also move because everything about Louisville's defensive front is all about slants and disruption. It's not yeah. where you watch Jordan Davis at Georgia. He's just, right. he's his main thing is eating up blocks. Yep. I think he's got 15 tackles this year. It's all about just eating up blocks. Louisville's essentially, they don't need these guys to make plays, but you got to be able to move to disrupt things as opposed to holding up blocks. And they just haven't, they haven't been able to do either. As a, from a consistent standpoint, and part of that is, yeah, they don't have that large-bodied, strong yeah. nose guard that they need. And I think that he kind of gives you two. He gives you both. He's strong and he's quick. He beats people. He has moves as a pass rusher, which is very nice to see for a guy. Dude, and a nose guard? Spot. Hell yeah, and a nose man. Guard spot. I mean, he's breaking out swim moves, things like that. But he's raw. He's a he's a yeah. raw talent. He plays too high because he's used to pushing people around. Um, but I think that he's he's a guy that the 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 other huge factor with him, like I said, he's three hundred and sixty pounds at one point. He's three hundred and twenty five pounds now. You get guys that big at the, at the high school level and going. I don't. I remember when I was in high school, I ate whatever I wanted. You know, having the discipline to be able to say, I know I need to get smaller. I need to lose weight. Yeah. He dropped a bunch of weight as a, what, 16, 17-year-old kid, came into a senior year at 325. That's something that shows that, hey, I mean, yeah. I, I think that I agree with you. It's going to be a hard time for him to get on the field as a, as a freshman. But if he has that kind of discipline to yeah. be able to drop weight, keep the weight off, um, I think that he has he, – he, he might be able to come in. As long as he keeps his weight in, weight in line, I don't see why they can't at least use him as a freshman. Here's the I, thing. Here, here's my view on, on playing freshman now. What's the point of redshirting anybody? They're no, not going to be four or five years. So right. you might as well play guys when they get yeah. there. Because if you're looking at guys that, oh, we want to we want to redshirt them, he's going to be here for five – nobody's going to be there for five years. Nick right. OKK is a perfect example. Nick, Nick OKK is a, is a good kid. He's a team player. He's a smart guy. He wants to play football. Right. And he's going to go somewhere where he can hopefully start for his last year. So you redshirt them, and then by the time they get to that point, they're leaving anyway. Yeah. So you might as well just play the kids. And if you've got a 325-pound kid that can help you as a run stopper, you better play him. That's my mindset. So if he gets here and he, he, keeps, his, he keeps in line his weight, if he does all the things he's supposed to do, you know, he might be a guy that you at least – He's maybe it's just situational. Maybe he's a guy that you – when you have short yardage things, you put a guy in there that, hey, he can play and, and, and plug some holes for you. That's better than sitting him on the bench and saying, well, we just want him – we want to play him for four games and save him from next year. I've got three things on Tafik Thomas, and then we'll move on here. Number one, uh, Louisville doesn't have a proven defensive tackle. I mean, Jacques Turner, major disappointment this season. I thought he was really going to be a difference maker, didn't do much. Malik Clark, Des Tell, they didn't do much either. Injuries played a factor there. I mean, I, I, who says he couldn't come in here and play right away? I mean, they're, they're probably going to get somebody in the portal who will come in here and potentially start. Um, that's the first thing. Number two, if this kid comes in here, I'll tell you how he becomes a fan favorite. He wears the number zero, wears a full cage helmet and neck roll and lets the belly hang out, man. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he's got a chance to be a legend around here. And then the third thing is I saw your tweet earlier today. Let this man line up as your fullback on, on, on the goal line. I mean, why not? Who's going to tackle a 325 pound defensive lineman? Not me. He caught one of the passes he caught jumping, turning around everything. I mean, it was an athletic catch. He's an athletic kid. That's the thing. That's when you, when I talk about him running down plays, 
it's not it's not just that hey he's a big guy most guys he can run like he gets out he starts moving you're like oh this kid is really covering ground and you know he's he's somewhere between six three and six five he lists himself as like six four three twenty five I think there's a picture of him standing next to the coaches and whatnot he is head and shoulders above some of these guys I think he might be a legit six four six five that's a long no matter what you've got long legs you got when you get out running I mean. That's you. One of the things that I I, I love watching uh, early in the season, there's a video of Jordan Davis running down a play all over the sideline. And people were like, yeah, he just didn't do that type of stuff. And that's that's so different about him. Some guys, it clicks at some point that just because you're big doesn't mean you don't have to run. And he runs down things. And I, I you know, not I'm not comparing him to Jordan Davis, but from a size position mm-hmm. standpoint, there are plenty of guys that first off can't do that and plenty of guys that just won't do it. If you're right. willing to do it at the high school level, yeah, you'll do it at the college level. And like that to college, I, I think I, I, he's a guy that I'm very high on in this class. Um, and he's grow, you know, he didn't have to grow me at all. He he was a guy that <laughs> went as a recruit before he committed. I was like, I don't really know. He doesn't, I don't, it doesn't seem like his recruitment's picking mm-hmm. up that much. But once you start watching him, you're like, yeah, this kid can play, man. And if he can take all that effort and bring it to the college level, he'll be great. Yeah, when I saw the three bills, I said, "Sign me up." I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't care how you have to do it, but uh, sign me up for that because Louisville needs some size on that defensive line. I'm tired of watching guys my size try to play defensive end. All right, last player committed in the class uh, from the high school ranks, D'Angelo Hutchison, Saint Petersburg, Florida, six foot two, 185 pounds. He flipped from Iowa State. People balk at Iowa State, man. Matt Campbell's had that program running now for a few years. They're better than Louisville. Tell you that. There you go. There you uh, go. Joe L over Iowa State, Central Florida, Western Kentucky. Um, that's a, this is another position of, of kind of interest here. I, I personally don't know. I, I think that Cole and Duncan have exhausted eligibility. So you're looking at two new starters next next year at that position. Um, you'd think Minkins and Perry take over, but what do you think at the safety position and how does Hutchison play a role in that? So so Duncan has another year. Cole doesn't. So Duncan, but Duncan could also go to the NFL. He, Which he a, should. He's an NFL prospect. He should. Um, but I think that, you know, Hutchinson's a, I think he's a free safety um, fit from a, so behind Duncan, behind Minkins, maybe. Um, but he is an athlete, man. Yeah. And again, getting guys that can do things you can't teach this kid is there. He plays height. He plays a quarterback for his high school. He plays wide receiver for his high school. And he plays free safety. And I believe he led the team in passing yards, receiving yards, and and like interceptions, but not tackles. I mean, he he can run. I would say he's probably the guy that I would say I hope fans look at his highlights and just kind of watch him because you can see that he can run. And when he plays quarterback, he actually looks like Malik. And I'm not joking. In the open field, like man, you're like the way he runs, everything about it. Um, but he he's an athletic kid. He's very long, which uh, I know talking to the coaches over the last couple of years, that has been a focal point is getting longer athletes. Um, Louisville is a short defense. They don't have a lot of guys that have a lot of length. You look at Monty Montgomery, who's 5'11", CJ Avery, six, six foot, maybe. Um, Yasir Abdullah is a, a guy that's around six foot, six one. Um, you know, even Rajay Burns wasn't a very long athlete when he, when he was playing at the car position. That's your linebacker core when they started here. And, you know, those guys aren't very long. You're going to have a hard time beating blocks, things like that. Um, and I and I and, and one of the coaches actually pointed out to me, you know, they the 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 idea or the thinking was, hey, we well, might not get Clemson level athletes, 
but you need guys that are long and big like Clemson because yeah. you can make up for a lot of deficiencies, so to speak, when you have length. Virginia yeah. is a perfect example. You all, all their defenders are six four, six five, and next thing you know, their defense is really good every year because they just have long athletes. So he's a guy that fits that. I know that was a focal point of the defense, but I think the athleticism is underrated, at least from my standpoint. You don't see a lot of tackling on his highlights, so that's a question. He's only 185 pounds, but 6'3 is 6'3. You should be able to easily add bulk to that frame. Um, so I think he adds depth. They're, they've already brought in another a transfer safety. I think they're looking at potentially another one. I know they want to move Ben Perry to card. Um, that was the plan when he, when he committed, was to, was to get there. and he, he put on the weight. He's around 210 now. I don't know if that happens. Jack Bago might come back. That throws a wrench in things. So, uh, you know, I think they still have good depth. You have some things that you can work on. But I think that D'Angelo Hutchinson, Hutchinson brings an athletic guy that they can build on over time. Another guy that they don't expect to play right away. But he has the build. He has some skills that you can build on. Yeah, I, that uh, that card position. I, I love Jack Fago, but I, I'm I'm ready for the Marvin Dallas show, man. I'm ready for the Marvin Dallas show. I don't man. think there's an, another player on the field who needs more playing time than Marvin Dallas. Uh, I can't help but agree with you, man. Yeah, we had a, a throughout the season. Anytime Marvin Dallas uh, made a big play in the game or you know did something, we had a signal in the show, the Marvin Dallas <laughs> alert, just because we were all like, "This kid is special." All right, uh, let's jump into uh, th- what's out there. We, we've got a lot of committed players, eleven guys, um, but Louisville is still in on a few names uh, of players who are either committed or committed elsewhere. Seems like it was quiet on the recruiting front for quite some time with that small uh, number of players that they were going to take, but there's been some movement recently. I'm going to throw out a couple of names and you just briefly kind of tell me uh, what happens in your opinion and uh, what they, what they would bring to Louisville's offense. Let's start on the offensive side of the football Rayshon Luke. Uh, he's one of those Bosco prep guys out in California that, uh, that uh, Pete Thomas has been working on along with Pierce Clarkson. He's a four-star running back. Seems like it's down to Louisville and Arizona. Um, and then you've got Chris Bell three-star wide receiver out of Mississippi who holds offers for Mississippi state, Maryland and Western. He's another guy who is deciding between Louisville and those schools. And then Jeremiah Aaron um, is another, another name who could potentially pop at uh, wide receiver, a Juco guy recently visited and also visited West, West Virginia. Um, out of those three, who's the most likely to come to Louisville and who's the guy you're watching the most? Um, I think Chris Bell's probably the most likely to come. Um, I think that he, I think that it, 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 he Louisville has, at least one high school spot for a receiver. They were looking at uh, Tayshawn Trent, who was a who was one time Michigan commit, uh, who uh, his recruitment's completely fallen off. I'm not sure what's going on there. You've got Caleb Webb, who blew up. I mean, a guy who was a mm-hmm. Eastern Carolina commit um, with nothing but G5 offers, and essentially had his pick of wherever he wanted to go in the country after a while. And then you had Chris Bell. Uh, Chris Bell was a Southern Miss commit. Uh, recently backed off that uh, he picked up offers from Maryland, Louisville and um, Mississippi state early on this high school season plays at a, at a, at a pretty high level school there. I think, I think they either run one state or were, were uh, runners up and Chris Bell is a monster. I mean, I, I, I rarely, I try not to get over the top about high school prospects. This kid is six, three, two twenty. He looks like Des Bryant. I mean, wow. physically, wow. he looks yeah. like Des Bryant. He's a he's a big kid, and he can run. And that was the thing. I I was really concerned. You get two hundred and twenty pound kids in high school, and most of them, you know, they just, they they don't really have that top end speed. 
And Louisville has to have guys that can run. I mean, that, that's that's part of their offense. Their offense is built on play action, getting behind the defense, uh, things like that. And if you can't run, you, you just you're not going to see the field for Louisville. But he can run, man. And, you know, he's got highlights. If, if And I, I tweeted this out against Travis Hunter, best player in the country, number one player in the country. And he beats him a couple times, uh, you know. Uh, you know, not doesn't doesn't really beat him a bunch, but you're playing against the number one guy in the country. You beat him once, I'll take that. You know, and Travis Hunter is a freak athlete, really great corner. Uh, but I think you know one of the things I saw uh, reading up on Chris Bell from the folks down in Mississippi is the comparison that someone made is AJ Brown. You know, because of his size and because of the fact that he can catch contested footballs. Um, so I was really that really stood out to me. But the other thing is that. He had his best games against his best competition. We talked about competition earlier. When the when the lights are on, so to speak, he really stepped up. Uh, his team outscored their opponents by like 400 points this year, so he didn't play a lot of third and fourth quarters. But when the lights came on, when he played his biggest games, 100-yard games, two touchdowns, things like that, average 24 yards a catch. I mean, the kid is – I think he's very underrated. One of the things where when you look at the recruiting rankings – 247 has them really high. I think ESPN has them high. And I think Rivals has them as a two-star. So you look at the composite and it's kind of doesn't really tell the whole story. But, um, you know, I think that when you have other power five schools seeing what Louisville saw, um, you know, you got, you know, and I think that the schools, Maryland and Mississippi State have been recruiting receiver pretty well. So I think that, you know, I think he's a good, good, good recruit. I think he's most likely uh, to, to pop here pretty soon, I would think. Yeah, the Rayshon Luke thing is really interesting if you've been into social media recruiting and kind of following the Pierce Clarkson thing. I mean, just some some banter back and forth of where are we going, what are we doing? The Arizona element to this makes you think like, oh, that's a shoe-in for Louisville. But uh, you you confident? What do you think is the deal here with him? A lot more confident like two hours ago before I, before I looked at his social media, and it seems like he's he's kind of all about Arizona. You know, I think that being close to the home is always a thing for anybody. You know, I, and, and and I think that, you know, when it comes down to it, yeah, you know, people kind of get in their mind that, you know, these crystal ball predictions and uh, the predictions on, on rivals and whatnot. I had, I had a guy a couple years ago that swore to me that a guy was not – that was going to – a guy was going to commit to Louisville and he wasn't going to commit to somewhere else. And he said it's it's already – you know, he's like, it's, it's going to happen. And I was like, what are you – why are you thinking that it's just automatic? He's like, well, he has a crystal ball. I was like <laughs> – that's just a prediction, man. Like that doesn't mean anything, you know? Right. So I, 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 it changed my thinking on how people kind of view this stuff. Um, Rayshon Luke has been trending to Louisville on two, four, seven and rivals for, for days. Dave Blackford is a guy that I, I, I think typically knows typically, you know, pretty good on these things. Um, but I think Rayshon Luke is, is still kind of a late guy that they kind of went in on. Yeah. Um, I think that before Arizona offered, it was a. It was probably pretty much a shoe in for Louisville, oh. but I think that him splitting his weekend to make it to make sure he can get to Arizona, probably is something that should folks should keep in mind. And Arizona also, just like just like Louisville a couple of years ago, just like any any program that has a new coach, you have playing time as a really big sell uh, for a player because Arizona was awful this year who is they their coach is Jed kevin Finch. oh that's right they so, got rid of kevin sumlin yeah he was Jed a Fish. Jed yeah. Fitch was a nfl coordinator 
They yes, still was. weren't good last year, but that just means that if you're coming into the recruiting class this year, and their recruiting class is pretty good because they can easily sell, like, you're going to play, man. And that might be something that, that factors in. But I think that, you know, it seems like the, the money's still on Louisville, but I'm not going to lie, everything on his social media, uh, you know, we're we, – we talked about this. We were trying to figure out who the next commit for Louisville was going to be. Some of the coaches are tweeting some stuff out. So I just kind of was, while we're waiting on this, I was looking at some of these guys' Instagram pages. He's got 20, what are they called, stories or whatever, and it's all Arizona. <laughs> nothing nothing on his page says Louisville at all. So it's hard to figure out, but it seems like they're in good shape. Uh, I know the coaches feel like they're in good shape. They've got a spot for him, obviously, to come in and be a running back and and see the field. I think I think he'd be a guy that they could get on the field early, but not necessarily a starter or anything like that. So that's the guy to look for. Bringing another four star in, no matter what, is a big deal. Bringing in a guy that has that plays for the high school that you're essentially recruiting everybody from. Uh, it reminds me of the Michael Lee Harris factor when Charlie Strong got Michael Lee Harris one year. And next thing you know, you got Teddy and Eli Rogers yeah. next year. Uh, Change the entire trajectory of the program. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe not on that level, but it's pretty, pretty close, right? You know, you got another four-star kid, you know, that that's coming to a school that he really doesn't have any ties to, doesn't know much about, and then you get the four-star quarterback the next year that changes the program. So, you know, there that that's something to keep in mind. I think that that factor is a is it factors in, um, and I think that Louisville got in them a little bit earlier than Arizona. Arizona's talking about you're talking about a week and a half to to decide that hey, I want to be in on them where I think Louisville has a little bit more time there. So I feel good about it, but I was kind of a little bit concerned that he's, he seems to be all about Arizona right now. Yeah, definitely uh, something interesting. And for what it's worth, if I was being recruited by Louisville or Arizona, I would probably want to live uh, in Arizona versus Louisville. But, hey, that's just me. Um, yeah. Defensive side of the ball, this is just a quick kind of note here. There's two guys that uh, are considered players to watch for Louisville right now, Jordan Allen, Many people will be familiar with that name. He was a, a hot commodity for a while, a defensive back, um, committed to Penn State. Appears now that he's going to go to LSU to play for Brian Kelly, who's not even won all his games yet. Um, <laughs> and he'll also – the other name is Jadias Richmond. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He is a unranked safety, uh, three-star safety. I can't remember what it is. Um, but it appears that the writing is on the wall for Vanderbilt. So it doesn't appear that either one of those guys will pull. But are there any other defensive players that you're keeping an eye on at the high school level? Um, so, so Alan, obviously, uh, you get the LSU offer. He's been waiting for that. I mean, I, I don't even think he hid that from anybody, you know, made him stay home. Can't, can't blame him. I think he was a hundred percent going to commit to Louisville if he didn't get that offer. Brian Kelly is the worst. Um, that, and that then, slow motion spin video is the, just the, the so stupidest bad. thing I've it's ever so seen, man. I mean, that's what happens when I get like one drink in me at ping prom, dude, I start dancing <laughs> like that. <laughs> Well, telling you man you get the kids away and then all of a sudden you start shimmying in slow motion i don't even know what that yeah, is. you know <laughs> but I, I think you know that that's unfortunate obviously i think i think alan's a guy that probably could have been a safety here um richard is a guy that i'm, I'm i don't know um same thing you know check this social media and you know everything's a little no, nothing about vanderbilt so you know these kids you, you never know there's no point in reading too much into it um but i do know that um Vanderbilt did I think they have three safeties in their class now just picked up one this past weekend there is a potential that that, that spot's not there anymore so um something to always keep in mind when recruiting as much as thing you know I, I always look back at Louisville fans should remember this you know Louisville had uh, Ace Wells from Central High School and Brandon Ratcliffe from 
uh, down in Miami, and they had one spot. And the coaching staff said whoever whoever says yes first gets the spot, and it became a pretty big deal because Ace Wells is he was a stud in high school, and he waited too long, and Brandon Radcliffe took the spot. And it became a kind of a thing, and Ace Wells kind of went on to say they 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 don't recruit locally. All the stuff we still hear now, yeah. But it's one of those things where people kind of have to keep in mind, especially right now when it's crunch time, when you have guys transferring, when you have all kinds of stuff going on. You know, take it for for from a standpoint of say Vanderbilt has a a, a defensive lineman transfer, well, all of a sudden, you know, you've got to fill another spot, and it's not necessarily filling a defensive line spot or a safety spot where you might say, Hey, I'm not taking this high school kid. I'm going to take another transfer. So there's all kinds of stuff going on. So you never really know. And I think the next few days are going to be crazy. I think they can get the kid because they have, they have a spot for him. Uh, they need safety depth. Uh, and like I said, Vandy seems to build their safety room, but you never know. They might take four safeties in the class kind of crazy, but you never know. Um, four safeties are going to contribute to zero wins. Yeah. That's all and you outside need of that, I'm not sure I've seen any, any other high school recruits that I think that they're really in on. I know they really went hard after James Pierce, outside linebacker. He's choosing between like Georgia and South Carolina now. Kid that was a mid-level three-star is now a high-level four-star. Um, another guy that just, you know, throughout the process, you know, guys uh, get evaluated differently. They get to go visit. They get to go camp. And they play their senior season. And when you go out there in senior season, you play well. All of a sudden, you're, you know, you become more popular. He's visited multiple times, but I don't think I don't think Louisville's going to get there. So I think the defensive side of the ball, they're really going to start looking at more transfers. And 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 in reality, that's probably what they need to do anyway. Yeah, transfer portal, in my opinion, seems to be a little bit more of a sure bet when you're trying to fill spots for players who can come in and play right away. At least, uh, like we've been talking about, it doesn't really seem like there's many players in this class who will be instant impact. Uh, before we we end. Uh, um, the episode here with some of the questions we've gotten from uh, Twitter. I do want to ask about the transfers just quickly. MJ Griffin, you mentioned safety out of temple commits to Louisville this week. And then last week, kind of out of nowhere, they pick up D Wiggins out of Miami uh, who we talked about is notorious for the Marlin character play a few years ago. Um, and then also Taiwan or Taiwan. I'm not sure how to say the first name and I will continue to say it like that uh, out of Tennessee. What do you think on those guys? Who's the biggest impact player there? I do love that every time I'm on, it's like, so yeah, we're kind of crunched for time. And then I, I just completely just blow it out. It, of the yeah. It's, it's the Keith win effect. Look, I'm going to turn this into two episodes anyway. So it doesn't really bother anybody, but my wife who's like, God, is he coming out of that room yet? But uh, so, yeah, no, that's what you do, so, man. So real quick with the guys I got, uh, MJ Griffin is, is, is probably the, 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 the lower, the, the guy that, you know, maybe has more questions because he's coming from temple and everybody thinks that G five players are lesser than, which is, I'm not even going to get on that. So MJ Griffin was a guy that was a power five prospect out of high school. For whatever reason, it just did not work out. He's been to Louisville multiple times, so he really wanted to be a Louisville in the first place. Um, great size, um, plenty of speed from a standpoint of playing in, 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 in short spaces and, you know, gets to the ball very quickly. Uh, the coverage, not something that he really did a lot of at Temple. So that's kind of a question we looked at. You know, you look at Hugh Cole, which he'll probably he'll likely be in that strong safety spot. We know that Q Cole played coverage down the field plenty, had a couple of nice plays down the field. He's going to have to be able to do that. But either way, he's adding depth. And and whether he becomes a starter, whether they bring in another guy, whether Ben Perry does stay at safety, who knows? They have a guy that I think can at least contribute. Um, D Wiggins, I think he's I think he's an also fairly underrated. 
Um, D. Wiggins does a lot of the stuff that Louisville receivers haven't done since, you know, outside of Dez, um, really since we had Des, uh, Devontae Parker here. A lot of those catches on the sideline, toe taps, uh, contested catches down the field, and he's a little bit faster than I even remember. I watched his highlights, and I was kind of surprised. I, I, You know, he's running, getting behind the defense in certain areas. Uh, obviously ran away from Louisville's defense a couple years ago. Um, so I think that the speed was something I was kind of questioning because I remember when he when he entered the portal, I watched his videos, but I just don't remember him. But he entered the portal a while back after essentially Miami decided, hey, we're going to play our young guys, and they kind of pushed him and Mark Pope out. Um, so I, I think he's, he's a guy that's going to be able to come in. I'd be surprised if he's not at least pushing for the starting spot uh, to replace Justin Marshall because uh, I think Tyler Harrell will probably move over to Jordan Watkins' spot. Mm-hmm. So I think he's a great addition. He's definitely what they need. They probably need another another guy at least um, at the wide receiver spot in the transfer portal. Uh, and then you have – I'm going to go with Tyon. I don't know. Well, who knows what, how to pronounce his name. But, uh, I mean, that that's that's the, that's the game changer. You know, I think Tyon Evans is going to come in. And, you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Louisville's running back room. I think that, uh, um, you know, Mitchell and Cooley are, are going to be really good running backs. I think Cooley has a higher ceiling. Evans is the game breaker. He mm-hmm. is the guy that can do the things that those guys just can't do. It's just, let's just be honest. You're talking about a guy that can make people miss in space, a guy that can throw a stiff arm and get, you know, get past somebody a guy that can run through arm tackles and then run away from everybody. And Javion Hawkins could do a couple of those things and not the others. Trayvon Cooley could do some of those things, and not the others. Mitchell can do some of those things, and not the others. Tyon Evans is a, is a complete back from a standpoint of being able to hit the hole and go. And I think that that's part of maybe why he looked at, looked into Louisville as being able to play in an offense that fits him well, because, Louisville, Louisville's offense as a running back, you get to the second level, and if you can run past people, you're done. Yeah, touchdown. You're good. You know, nope. deal with anybody. You're not having to break a bunch of tackles. You're not having to. You're not having to do all those things. But one of the things that Louisville struggled with this year is that running backs would get to the second level and they get tackled, whether it be getting caught from an angle, caught from behind, or not being able to make a guy miss or run yeah. through a tackle. And that's the difference. That's why they didn't have those big runs that we've seen from Javion Hawkins. It's not those guys aren't talented. They're talented. They're just not – they don't have that next level. And Evans, I mean, he he showed it. You watch the Tennessee games, and he showed it over and over again that he can get into space, and you might – you start getting excited, right? Oh, what is he going to do? And is he going to make somebody miss? He can shake. Uh, is he going to run through that that guy coming at the angle and get a grab in his leg? Or is he just going to run away from everybody? He did it all multiple times. And I think there's a potential for him to get, you know, to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the very worst, he's just a, he's another option for them. When they, when, when you, you know, as a season goes on, you need more options. We know injuries happen. We know guys fumble, all kinds of things happen. You have a little bit more depth, but I think he is the guy, no matter, I'll, I'll say it this way, no matter who they get outside of a ridiculous nose guard, I don't think there's anybody that's going to have an impact like Ty and Evans can have for Louisville next year. All right. A hot take. We needed to end the episode here. Uh, tons of great insight um, into the Louisville football recruiting effort. It's going to be an interesting day on Wednesday. Uh, any, anybody you see potentially committed now who could flip to another, another school. Is there anybody right now who's kind of borderline to watch? You know, I, I haven't seen anybody. Um, 
I don't think any of these guys have even taken visits anywhere else, which, you know, I t- it's I- funny. You can take that either way, that, hey, yeah. they're not being recruited. I think most of these guys shut it down. Um, you know, after they committed, especially Caleb Johnson, Papa Williams has made that obvious. Taylor Brown has made that overly obvious. So I, I'm not seeing that. Um, you know, like you said, a guy like Nate Kariski, um, who his coach, his coach has moved on. I, I still don't see it. Um, but I think that also, you know, Louisville's going to have probably another staff change, maybe, maybe two. It'll happen after signing day on purpose. You yep. know, you, 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 you know, it's the way it goes. It happens all the time. You look at Court Dennison, even a couple years ago when he left to go to Oregon, he left after signing day after signing more than half the class himself. Yep. So yep. it's just part of the deal. So I think most of these guys are going to stay, stay, stay where they are. I think they'll add a couple more guys. And I think the transfer portal is what people really need to focus on going forward because I think they're going to add a substantial amount of more guys that's in key positions. Yeah, definitely need a couple of more impact players on the roster. Defensive line uh, is where I would start as they head in post early signing period. Uh, it's been a great episode. Tons of great information here. Um, if you are listening to this, you are probably already familiar with Keith Wynn and do not need me to tell you where to go to find his work, but I will do so anyways for the sake of the plug. Card Chronicle is where you can find his uh, all of his signing day work, which will be coming out on Wednesday um, player by player, hour by hour, he will be by the fax machine waiting to, to provide the information that you need on the recruits. And then, of course, you can give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, Keith Wynn, great follow, tons of great information. Um, and then, you know, occasionally you'll get a couple of, of uh, tips on cooking some meat, maybe some bourbon uh, drinking. Have you had the new Russ Smith bourbon yet? I have not, but I'm definitely getting that this weekend. I'm okay. excited for it. I'm happy All right, for it. well, here's what I'm going to need you to do. When you get that, shoot me a text. Tell me you're ready for a shot. I'll come over. We'll take that shot, and then I'll come back. I think sounds that sounds good. like a plan. All right, everyone. Keith Wynn, uh, thank you again for the football expertise. We, we've got a, a ton of, of time here in the offseason to talk about what is going to be probably the most uh, interesting offseason for Louisville in quite some time. So we will have you back soon. And until then, Keith, uh, take care across the street, my friend. All right, sounds good, man. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.